Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Working class on DeerCast. What's up, everybody? Back again. Um, I'm wearing a different jacket this week. I wear the same clothes every week, like I said last episode, uh, so you know, Aaron. Uh, Aaron Blicey <laughs> is in the house. What's up, dude? What's going on, man? I, I feel like I wear the same clothes for every podcast I do as well. Like I'm starting a video with my podcast, and it's like, man, I really need to like change my wardrobe up. But honestly, I don't own a lot of stuff that isn't like my brand or – you know, like a partner brand. I just yeah. wear that. What well, they give me. Don't really need to buy anything else. Um, Aaron right. Blyce is the guest this week. Aaron is the host of the Fall Podcast. Um, you've been in the outdoor industry a long while, have a ton of experience, and uh, we've got to be good friends over the last few years. So um, glad you could join me on on a Deercast series this time. Heck yeah, man! I'm I'm super pumped about it. Yeah, we for the last probably two years, maybe you and I've become pretty good friends, and and just. Uh, you know, you and I talk about it, you know, off record, stuff like that. We, you know, we are friends with other podcasters, but like you, you and I are like, you're probably my closest podcast friend. And, yeah. you know, we, we throw ideas around to each other a lot. And, you know, it's, it's good just to have a sounding board like that and just kind of, you know, the grind that everybody goes through. So you, you do understand it. For sure. For sure. And, and for everyone tuning in, if you're watching or listening, however you consume the DeerCast series, hopefully you're in DeerCast supporting it. Uh, this is going to be like the first BS type session for DeerCast. So it'll be a little different for this series. Like we're going to talk deer hunting, but I'm just giving you guys the pre-warning. If we go off on some side podcast nerd tangents or whatever <laughs> else, um, just go with the flow and uh, we'll see what type of reactions we get from this series within DeerCast if we do that. So, um, but yeah, we're both nerds to a point because we're podcasters, even though I feel like your skill and knowledge level of like the technology that podcasting and being an online creator as cringy as that sounds to say is like yeah. way above mine. I feel like I'm like more, I'm like a caveman trying to figure it out. And I feel like this is your space for the most part, you know, just from, I've, I've been in the industry 11 years now. I uh, started filming Chris and Casey Kiefer for, well, 10 years. You know, I was their executive producer and filmed all their stuff and, and edited that. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I've seen the evolution of, like, when I got into the industry, like, the DSLR cameras were just coming into the industry. And then yep. now it's turned from, like, very cinematic and slider shots and drone shots and stuff like that now to like just all vlog stuff and i i've seen both and i kind of like the vlog style better and yeah, yeah it's just easier and also it's just uh i feel like it's i like it but i don't like you and i are just talking about it just how it's like it's so weird that people that's what they want to consume yeah and um so but i will say it's a long way of me saying 
I am in the space, but for some reason, I don't use my platform to the ability that I with my know-it-all, you know what I mean? Yeah, like how, yeah. what I know and, and everything I don't, and I'm just starting to do that. I'm four years into my podcast and I'm just starting to video my podcast and I'm just starting to put like reels out there. And it's like, yeah, why haven't I been doing this from the beginning? You know? Yeah, I get that. I, as a consumer, I don't consume as much outdoor content now like I used to. And I'll tell you, like, I remember when like the cinematic look of like hunting shows came on the scene a little bit. And it was cool, but I'll be honest, I would rather see like real life type stuff. And to me, like too much of it is cool. Like there's shows that you're like, man, this is awesome. But then there's shows where you're just kind of like, oh, okay, another drone shot, another this, another. So I don't know. For me, I like it both, but I like it. uh, I don't like it. I don't like both all the time. Yeah, I agree with you. I haven't consumed, uh, I haven't watched a hunting television show in about six years. Really? Um, (laughs) Literally, I have not watched a Sportsman Outdoor Channel, nothing like that in about six years. But I think a lot of that is because I helped make, I know what goes into it. So it's like, I don't get to sit down and enjoy it like I used to. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. Like when when we go to the field and, and we're producing in the field, it's almost a pain in the butt to like, oh, I got to get the slider out. Oh, I got to like get the drone out. Like mm-hmm. call me lazy, but man, it, it's a pain in the butt. <laughs> it really is. And yeah. And iPhones have just changed everything. Oh yeah. And, and I think like you said, the vlog thing, I didn't mean to cut you short on that. I apologize for that. No, you're but good. The, the real life, like kind of, you've said it too. It's like some people just want to see what you're doing and kind of like hang out with you. As weird as that sounds and is like, cause I'm like a homebody, like just kind of leave me alone kind of thing. And I, I don't really want to be in front and in, in front of everybody and being like, here I am kind of thing. So I don't look at it that way, but agreed, man. Like I, I'll watch, like you and I are talking about, I watched the millennial farmer. I'm not a farmer. Mm-hmm. I, I just, he vlogs all day and I just like his content. I have no idea why I get sucked into it really. Yeah. You know, but that's how everybody wants to consume it. Yeah, I mean, there's something to, like, I don't know. I think that's why, like, Whistling Diesel's channel does so well. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he has some cinematic cool shots sometimes, but he's just hanging out doing wild stuff, and it's almost like you're hanging out with one of your crazy friends while he destroys a $100,000 truck. or what, It's weird. You know, <laughs> I, I like that guy, man. I really do. Like, some of the stuff makes me cringe. Is like, oh, that's a nice whatever. But if you don't know Whistling Diesel, it's worth watching, but... It is. And honestly, I think a lot of people watch him for watching like people in the hunting industry that we won't name names that are just like, okay, when's the next blow up? When's the next, when's this going to happen? You know, (laughs) I like watching his stuff too, because it's like, okay, what, you know, what three quarter ton brand new 2022 diesel is he going to buy off the lot and go wreck? It's like, yeah, really? Yeah. It's crazy. (laughs) Talking about that too, like some of the, the characters now that are in our space in the hunting industry, man, it's like (laughs) there, I don't know. There's like organic real content where it's like you and I are, we're having a great organic conversation that we didn't plan ahead. And we're just talking like buddies right now. That's what, that's part of what we do with both of our Mm -hmm. brands. And that's, I think that's a beautiful thing. And then there's people that take this organic thing and then stack up all this fake, like burning their truck down or doing some crazy stuff like that. Like, yes, everyone talks about it, but I don't want to be that guy, man. You know, I don't know if this is the day that we get into that burning trucks down and stuff, because there <laughs> it is, I've got a whole deal on it. And it's, it's like, that's just not how I am, man. And it's not how, whether the person did that on purpose for a click or not. Like, you know, you watch the video after the truck starts burning. It's like, Oh, we're going to roll with this. <laughs> we're, we're, you know, here we're all like, yeah. this is going to get stupid clicks, you know? And it's yeah. like, I just don't think that way, I guess. And like all my buddies are like, man, you need to make some more TikTok reels and more stuff like that. And you have all the ability to do it. And I'm like, I don't want to though. Like, that's not how, yeah, I don't know. That's just not how I am. Now, okay, something crazy happens to me and my truck burns down and I get a minute of video of it. You know, oh, that sucks. But it's like, 
I'm not doing things like that to get clickable content. Like if just know now, if anything wild happens to our crew and it's on TikTok or Instagram, it just happened to us. Organic. Organic. <laughs> like it was a real accident and we're like, mm-hmm. hey man, it it happened. We didn't plan it, but there's nothing we can do about it. Like that's a little well, different, I think. I, I don't want to keep going down this road, but let's be honest. It's a dangerous here. road. <laughs> Are you going to you know, light your CRP or set aside grass on fire, holding your arm out of your really, really nice truck with a drip torch. I'm not, not me with a drip torch. Like, like let's just be honest with the brain cells we have. Like, you know, mm-hmm. either you have so much money, which is probably the fact that where it's like material things don't mean as much as it to you and I, I didn't grow up with a lot of money. I'm cheap now because of it. Like I want to hold my money. So it's like, man, I try to keep nice things. My truck is, you know, it's like five years old, but it looks brand new. Yeah. And it's like, I I just don't, there's something screw missing. And I realize we're probably (laughs) contradicting ourselves a little bit that I just like to watch Listlin diesel destroy a hundred thousand dollar truck. And then the difference is someone does a drip torch, but I think it's like, when I go to Whistling Diesel for that content, that's what he does. It's yeah. not an accident. He's like, hey, we're going to destroy this truck. Check it out. If yeah. Every time he did that, it was like, oh, man, I accidentally jumped this diesel truck 100 feet and broke the frame. I, I, you know what I mean? It's like that's what he does. Yeah. Anyway, it gets weird. There's a lot of stuff we could talk about there. But yeah. <laughs> the outdoor space yeah. is a good space, but there's some weird stuff that happens within this space. Well, and it's it's just the stuff that's like it takes one human to ruin it for all of us, and we are so small. Mm-hmm. We are the hunting industry. I hate calling it industry, but the hunting world, and the and it is it is so micro on the grand scheme of things yeah, that it it's like it just takes one one person, man. And I'm like, every time I see something like that, it's like, man, if I lose hunting and this is like a result of it, I'm going to be really upset, you know? It would be a really, that'd be a major bummer to lose hunting rights and privileges over something somebody did for TikTok or Instagram or whatever. But it could happen, man. It's like, you know, we do have to be conscious of that. Like, and two though, there's people, man, that probably look at us the way we talk, you know, working class boners as a whole. We're not buttoned up clean language. Like, I don't don't put us up for vote to go talk to a school about conservation. We're not that crew. Could mm-hmm. we? Yeah, probably we could. But pick somebody else. Pick Bill Winky yeah. or Mark Drury or Terry mm-hmm. Drury. You know, like those guys will kill it. We're not the yeah. job for that crew. We're your get off work, have a beer, talk hunting with your buddies crew. But also, I will say, you know, we're we're probably not the guys you'd vote us to be the spokespeople of hunting. But also, right. we're not doing anything unethical or flashy to have it ruined for us. Yeah. And, you know, I might be at fault here too, because I like to film my hunts and, you know, you go to my YouTube channel, you'll see my hunts on there. Some people will look at that as wrong. And in the grand scheme of things, it could be, and Mm -hmm. it might be, but like you just said, I'm trying to be ethical is, is beyond ethical as I can. I'm almost to a fault. Like, too careful you know what i mean um yeah and but i but i just know how just something little can be you know taken away from me and then you're tarnished you are done you know and i think that comes from a background too like when i was in high school i was getting recruited to play sports you know and all my friends were going out and drinking and stuff in high school and everything dude i'm not gonna lie to you i never drank a drop of alcohol in high school like i was a pretty clean cut kid like, but also as a young age, like I was getting looks from colleges and I was always the one of like, man, if I get in trouble one time, like I am done. Yeah. And I still kind of like use that as well. Yeah. And I think too, like where we're alluding to a little bit, it's like, yeah, as if a hunting uh, influencer, uh, that's a, I just hate that, but it's what (laughs) it is, right? You're in the, you're in the, you're in media, you're in the public eye in our space. Like if there's a game law that's broken, Sometimes that stuff happens on accident, but I think the number one thing is to own it, talk about it, show how the mistake was made or whatever you got to do, because 
dude, things happen, right? Like not everybody's perfect. And I think that's where like a lot of those guys like put such a get such a bad look is they don't own it and they don't talk about it. Like you know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. like it's immediate defense mode. I didn't do nothing wrong where it should be like, hey man, I had the wrong tag. I bought the wrong tag. Look it. I'll show you what I did. This is how it got messed up. I'm paying my fine. I'll do my time. I think that would change it because that you're still being a role model for an honest mistake, honest mistake or whatever happened. Yeah. I've got a story. I don't know if you want to air it out here that happened to me. I have a violation in Missouri and nobody knows that. If you um, want to air it out, you can. But, <laughs> but, but, but this is an honest mistake. Uh, I did do a podcast on it like real early in my podcast and what had happened in 2015, I went to Missouri and hunted a buddy's land. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the buddy, his dad is the sheriff of the county that I was hunting. Okay. This is all on film. I have the footage. And honestly, I was, I'm, was going to edit it because it's a really cool hunt. And I was going to edit and put it up, but I didn't want people to, to think I was putting it up for a click. That's why I've not done it. Mm. You know, I've been sitting on this for seven years and I just, I just don't want people to think I'm, I'm doing it for a click. So, but anyway, the story is in, we went in, when I say we, I had a guy filming me and went in for a hunt in the morning. It was November 14th of 2015. And uh, went in, went in this creek bottom. It's a perfect morning, cold, you know, frosty ground. I was in this in this ditch. It was a big creek, and it had real high banks. Mm-hmm. And on each side, there was ag fields. So the sun's coming up, and I'm like, I'm going to crack the antlers together, just blind rattle. If there's anything, you know, in these ag fields that I can't see because it kind of like I was still a little lower, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to just crack them together and see what happens. I crack them together 52 seconds into my rattle session. I look to my left and I just see a framey deer coming right at me. I mean, running in hot and I'm like big buck, big buck. And all I saw was a wide frame. Mm-hmm. He runs underneath or underneath me. This is all on film runs to the Creek in the, in the bottom and he stops and he's looking around and I'm like trying to get the antlers out of my hand and get my bow and in a matter of seconds, he jumps the creek. I go to full draw. I ask the guy if he's on him. He goes, yep. I stop him 32 yards. I shoot him. He runs off. I watch him die. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and that was my first out-of-state buck ever. Yeah. Okay? And I lose it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is a good buck. Um, didn't know how good. Just knew he, coming from Michigan, wide. Everybody's like, oh, he was, you know, he's 18 inches wide. Yeah. You know, you know a shooter place. when you see it, yeah. Exactly. So he runs off, dies, and we do the thing in the in the in the tree. And then it starts running through my head. I'm like, let's watch the footage. So I go, he pulls the footage up and I'm looking at it. I'm trying to look on the L- little L C D and I'm like and I go, Man, he goes, What? And I go, I really hope he's got a G three on one of those sides. He looks like a six point and I'm in an APR county. Oh. And I'm like I really hope he's got a six point somewhere. It looks like he's just got brows and just like twos. That's it. <laughs> and now I immediately go from like top of the world to, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I think I might've just screwed up here. And I'm like, I'm going to get down. I'm going to go check this deer out. And dude, he stayed in the tree and was filming me from the tree, like walk up to him and everything. And the whole time I'm walking up there, I'm like, please just have another point. Please. I just don't want to go through something like this, you know? Right. And you got to think too, at this point in 2015, I had not killed a deer over 105 inches. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the last seven years of my hunting journey has been like really good to me. Like I've really amped my stuff up. And so like the pressure of wanting to, to kill a bigger deer, it was at ultimate high, Yeah, you know? And just wanting to be like, I wanted to buck on the wall kind of thing. Right. And so I walk up to this deer and I walk up. I'm like, man, he's got a good frame. But I'm like, where's, there's there a kicker or something? Clean six. Okay. And I'm like, crap. What do I do now? Yeah. So the first thing I, I say to myself is I'm like, I, I have to call this in. You know, so I get back up in the tree and I tell the guy filming me, I'm like, yeah, he's a six. I said, I'm going to call my buddy and then get a hold of his dad, the sheriff, and I'm going to give him the story. And I said, let's 
film it all because if they would let us use the footage, then I want to have everything filmed, the DNR, all that stuff, you yep. know? And um, so I call the sheriff and he's like, yeah, no problem. You know, he wasn't mad, no nothing. And, and he goes, let me get you in contact with the head of the DNR and you can give him a call. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, sounds good. So I call him and he's like, well, meet me at the meat locker and we'll go through it all. Mm-hmm. Like, all right. So we pull in to the meat locker, pull on a tailgate. And he's like, ah, he's like, man, you know, it is what it is. It's kind of one of those things. But he's like, he goes, why don't you come over to my truck with me? Like, okay. He gets me in the truck and he's talking to me. And he goes, you would be surprised at how many six points we find in the ditch in this county. Oh, he said, he's like a lot of six points. He's like, actually, you're the first one to ever call one in. Wow. To me. And I'm like, only kids, the youth could shoot six points. You had to have, I think it was four on one side. I think is mm-hmm. what it was, the APR. And I knew that, but it just like caught me in the moment, Yeah, you know, and, and which doesn't make it right. I mean, it was a learning experience and he goes, well, I'm going to have to find you. And I'm like, okay, you know, that's, that's fine. He's like, I'm going to have to take the deer. And I'm like, man, like, that's a bummer. I, you know, it's my, it's my first out of state buck. He's not a giant, you know, he's probably like I said, 105 inch six point, maybe 100, 106 point, maybe. Yeah. He's wider, but he's just, he's just a six. Yeah. And, um, he finds me $250 and takes the deer. They donate the meat, which I was fine with, you know, but they destroyed the antlers and all wow. that stuff. And uh, he goes, I appreciate you calling it in. And I'm like, well, there's no question. Like, I'm just not that type of guy to to not be transparent, like, yeah, and hide anything. And uh, he's like, I just, I don't really want you to show anybody the footage, you know, right now and and just kind of keep it to yourself right now and i'm like okay that's fine you know i think now seven years now like i think it'd be it's a really cool hunt mm-hmm. i think it'd be something cool to show um but yeah, yeah it's one of those things that was just like it happens to any just anybody you know it could happen to you it could happen to me again i yeah, hope not <laughs> and exactly what you just said is exactly like the type of thing i was referring to you know like it's yes it's you broke the rules, the law or whatever, but it's like some stuff. If you just talk about it like that, like I can see how that happened. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, it's not like you shot a buck and you didn't have a tag for it just cause you didn't feel like buying a tag or you didn't want to spend the money. And then if right. you did kill one, then you were going to go get a tag, which yep. I hear people say that to this day, we run into people at trade shows, man. And you would be amazed. We'd had a game warden just sitting underneath oh. our booth He'd pop up and just write citations. I cannot believe what some people will admit to us. Like, you know, it's like, and I just look at them. I don't know if they think we're going to be like, oh, oh, yeah, don't say nothing. And I'm just looking at people like, what are you? Like, Man, there's still there's still people around here that, uh, I mean, Michigan's a two-buck state, but there's people around here that you might, you know, Judy Smith might kill the buck. And Judy Smith's never hunted a day in her life. You know what I mean? And it's like. It's yeah. not a real name from around here, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah, it, it's just, man, what what are you doing? Like, I just wasn't raised that way, I guess. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I it, don't know. The thing so. is, it's a, it's a great, it's a fun conversation. And it's a conversation that needs to happen from time to time. Um, and mistakes happen. I think if you're just like, Hey man, I messed up or I had no idea. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. That's, there's a lot in that. You know, I think yeah. Lee Likoski had something years ago about, uh, accidentally, I don't know the exact detail, had the wrong tag or mistagged a deer and basically just straight up about it and nobody cares. Right. They're just like, exactly. yeah, yeah, that happens. I remember that was a couple of years ago. It was something I think he, I think he put the wrong tag on it maybe. Or, he probably called or, it in and then after yeah. it was like, oh crap. Dude, I checked that. You get in a hurry. You shoot a buck, you get in a hurry, you're doing stuff. Like I'm always like checking and then I'll be like, oh crap, did I? Okay, okay, yeah, but I did tag it right. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. A lot going on. You're excited. Well, and two, like, even in Iowa, I'm pretty sure it's still a law that you have to, when you tag it, it's got to be between the brow and the G2. Oh, really? The tag has to. Mm-hmm. I think you could ask Eric or Doug about it, but I'm, because when I went to Iowa in 19, like, I read all that stuff. Like, I wanted to be, you know, even keel on everything. And that was a thing 
Um, but now I'll see pictures like Iowa on like Facebook or whatever, the, the, the big buck page or whatever, Iowa trophy box or something like that. There's dudes putting like tags in between the three and the four or on their leg. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's a law. You have to have it between the brow and the G2. And yeah, I bet you people don't know that. Well, there's some Western states that in transport don't even require the tag to be on the animal. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of Western states, you notch the tag. I think Iowa, you have to notch the tag. I, I don't know. Yep. I've never killed an animal in Iowa. But um, like out West, you notch the month and the date, so you, you can't fib on it. But, um, right. yeah, like I felt weird, like transporting someone. was like, oh, hey, you don't lose your tag because we got to go through this brush and stuff. You don't actually ha- have it on your person, but it doesn't need to be on the deer in transport. And right. that always weirds me out. It makes me f- – I'm like, man, I'll just tape it on there. That way, nothing mm-hmm. can happen. But things happen, man. You know, it's that's yeah. Life. And I'm always worried about moving deer, even here in Michigan. Like where I find find him laid or like dead, like that's like let's not move him. Like we got to put a tag on him. Like, yeah, yeah. That's just I don't know. Just I don't know. That's how I was raised, I guess. <laughs> no, it, it's the right thing to do. That's it's a fun conversation, but uh, talk it. Let's go more positive now. Like you had a very successful season. You're a Michigan guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had a killer season, so congrats on the successful year Thank again. You. Yeah, appreciate it. So yeah, it's it the second time I've ever we can kill two bucks here in Michigan. So it's the second time I've ever killed two bucks in Michigan. And the first time was in 2008. Uh, I killed a buck with my bow, and actually it was really odd. Like, no, it was the one with the gun. So I killed one with a bow, decent buck, and then opening day rifle season comes around. And then a buck came through that would just been shot and his leg was all, he was like a little five point. And I'm like, I'm not going to, like, he just didn't look like he was going to survive. So I shot him and put my tag on him. And then I was like, well, I'm tagged out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it officially tagged out was only the second time I've ever done it in Michigan. Awesome. It's a good yeah. feeling. It was dude. It, it was, I didn't expect it at all. It was on, I shot my second one on the 21st of October. So I was done hunting October 21st and, <laughs> I could have went to some different states and stuff like that, but I got some big uh, trips coming up the next couple of years. So I want to build the brownie points with the wife mm-hmm. and do all the the wife stuff and the family stuff. And yeah, and hopefully smart. she remembers that. <laughs> yeah. Remember, honey, when I tagged out early and I didn't keep hunting out of state, just yeah. butter up on that. that that's smart. Yep. You got to do that, man. Like <laughs> that's what I kind of did. I tagged out the November 12th. And I had people like, are you going to go to Indiana? Are you Dude, come up to Wisconsin. Had a lot of great offers from people. So I appreciate everybody that reached out. Like, hey, come out here. Come to Indiana. I got a farm for you. Shout out to you guys. Awesome. But I would love to do that and just try to see how many I can stack up. Mm. But. Well, and I think it helped <laughs> for me last year. I had I went to three different states and killed three bucks last year. So I think that happening last year was like, I can take I can take a little bit of time off here. Like I, I'm good. You know, yeah. I don't I don't need to get too greedy. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like I have a doe tag, and everyone's like, "You gonna go try mm-hmm. out and kill a doe?" I'm like, "Well, I killed an elk and two bucks and a doe. I don't need any more meat, so I don't need to go kill one just to kill one. I don't need to like yep. get more validation from the internet because I k- killed a doe in December." Yeah, and that's something like right now here we're right before Christmas recording this, but. Uh, our season goes to January one. We've got at our family farm here. We've got, I mean, I think the other night we were sitting in the the hay field and there was 105 deer in the field and only wow. 15 of them were bucks. And at one time there was no duplicate. So it's like we have families that want meat as well. So I'm just like, I'll go bear the cold and I'd like to try to kill them with my bow again. Yeah. And I've got a tag, so why not do it? And um, just try to thin the herd a little bit. And mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not against shooting does late, but I like shooting does early just because I feel like those are like your resident does, the does that actually live there. Um, I feel like when you're killing does late, they're, they might you might be pulling does like us. We have a big uh, ag field that draws a lot of deer in late because it's a lot of the winter food. Mm-hmm. I might be killing a doe that lives, you know, a couple miles away. Yeah, yeah. To me, that doesn't really do much from my farm so i i that's my theory um hmm, killing I, does early is like a resident thing that makes sense to me i like to shoot does early but also i get to like i get in certain circumstances like we had perry batten on from uh he's one of mark's farm managers we had him on 
uh, a couple weeks ago, and they said they'll go out and shoot a bunch. But there's the density in the areas they are at is like insane. I know buddies really? in there, and it's like, yeah, they need to shoot does like that. Well, they get a lot of EHD and stuff like that because of the high deer density numbers. It's like Mother mm-hmm. Nature's way of like trying to axe it down, but. Um, I, I got, all right, I'm going to switch a little bit on gears from your season, and if we want to go into details on your season, we can by by all means. But do you, in my area where I hunt, one of the areas I hunt, I feel like everything just got shot up bad this oh, year. Yeah, um, worse than other year in years past, and I don't know what it is. Yeah, um, here where I'm at in Michigan, it's. <laughs> you're thinking it's about what tough. you're gonna say. It's funny. You're like, I don't, how do I tackle I don't, this? Yeah, I could, I could tick a lot of people off, but um, <laughs> man, our our gun season starts November fifteenth every year, and it's right in the middle of the rut. And like those first couple days, like everything gets shot up. You know, mm. uh, I got three. So the two bucks that I did kill this year were new deer. I've never seen them before in my life. So mm. I had a hit list of two bucks I was for sure gonna kill that I was watching. One, I had to kind of make a game time decision, maybe. And two of those three bucks got killed that I know for sure. The third one, I know he's alive right now, mm-hmm. which is good. Yeah. Um, he may, and I'm like, where did you hide? Where, like, you yeah, know, the what section did you that do? I, exactly. The section I hunt in, or one of the sections, there's 13 box blinds in, you know, the one, like the one section. And that's just what you can see from the road. So, I agree with you, man. I think everything got shot up. Um, we have 219 acres at our family farm. We killed four bucks on 219 acres. And then the neighbors, they kill like another, another six bucks. Like every deer that we were deeming shootable deer all got killed. Yeah. I feel so, similar situation. Our gun season comes in just after years, but still rut. You know, I consider mm-hmm. it fairly, pretty much peak rut. And then there's a break over Thanksgiving, then second season comes in. But um, I feel that way. Like, But I feel like a lot of deer from people I talk to in my local area, I don't necessarily mean like on the block I hunt, or, but in the area, I feel like a lot of deer got wounded during bow season, and then I feel like everything just got wiped out during firearm. And I don't know what it is this year versus another year. I don't know. I don't have any Are you getting more people it. that were sending you stuff this year than than normal or that might I mean, be it. Like people just reach out to me for like, Hey man, I, I hit this buck here and I, I'm having a hard time finding it. What do you think? Maybe that's why I'm, I might have a skewed perception. I'm hoping that's all it is. But yeah. I remember talking to my buddy Todd and being like, what is going on, man? Everyone's mm-hmm. wounding them. And a lot of it was this dude. I know I smoked this deer and I had to be like, listen, Shit happens. You didn't smoke it. Mm-hmm. We've all been there. Mm-hmm. If you smoked it, <laughs> yeah. you would have found it. I've got a, I've got a hot take or whatever, something or whatever you want to call. Let's it. hear it. Let's get hot. I, I, I don't understand how people, after they shoot a deer, it's like even with a bow or especially with a bow, it's like I don't know where I hit it. What do you mean you don't know where you hit it? I have never had an instance where I was like, I don't know where I hit it. Uh, this year, my first buck, I knew exactly where, well, I, I thought I knew exactly where I hit it. I hit it low. I, I thought I hit it low, but I hit an inch to the right of where I thought I hit it. Mm-hmm. But I was never like, I don't know. No idea. Yeah. Could have grass backed him, could have, you know, high, high, whatever. A lot to me is, I've shot lighted knocks for 13 years now. And I, I know that number just because uh, we had a conversation about the other day. I have a lot of buddies that do not sh- shoot lighted knocks. Me, I am pro lighted knock. Same. Now, I it, it can give you false false triggers or false average, you know, whatever it is. Sometimes I've never had that instance. But I will tell you, if you're not shooting lighted knocks, you need to. And I, I just, it baffles me when people are like, I, I have no idea where I hit it. You know, and and yeah. that's not me coming from like filming either, because the two bucks that I shot this year I weren't on film. But I'm like, I still know where I hit the deer. I see. I get your point. I've had it. I you know I maybe had it happen more when I was a youngster. 
shooting adrenaline and I just, oh, I don't know, and mm-hmm. didn't follow my shot execution. Now, the most recent one I had where I'm like, I don't know where I actually hit it was two years ago. I shot at a buck. I ended up killing this deer five days later. But where I had a branch low where I'd hung my stand, and I think my limb hit the branch on my bottom mm-hmm. limb, and it made my arrow fly funky. And I hit the deer, but it didn't like penetrate the deer. Hard to explain. But yep. I, I know what happened now because I killed the deer five days later and he was fine. But like my it kicked my arrow funky and it like didn't fly straight. Or and it was it's a weird rare yep. instance, but I'm like, I don't know where it went, and that's really weird for me. So mm-hmm. that's one instance where it's happened to me. But I know what I, you're saying. It, it, I've had those where I'm like, you know, it's low, but I don't know how low. Like, you know, I've had that, but what I'm talking about is people that are just like, you know, I'm thorough. Like, if you were to shoot a buck and you call me and you're like, hey, you know, what do you think? And I'm like, where'd you shoot it? And you're like, bah, could be center mass, could be hind quarter. <laughs> okay. And it's like, yeah. I, okay, you know, we should know that. We should know okay. quarters, like where we're at. <laughs> you're right. And, and I feel like I'm that guy too. It's like, where'd you hit it? Well, I'm not really sure. Well, how'd it react? Well, I don't really know. Well, how did it whacked after the shot? How far did it run? Well, I'm like, listen, these details maybe right now seem like they don't matter, but they, in the grand scheme of you recovering this deer, all that stuff matters. Mm-hmm. I feel like that experience brings that too. Like, I shoot a deer, I wa- if it doesn't fall in front of me, I'm watching it until I can't see it anymore, and I'm marking bushes and trees that it walked by. Oh, 100%. And that comes with yeah. experience, I think, over, over the time and doing it and... Yeah, it does. And I, I will attest, I'll give that to my dad. Like my dad was like drilled things into me when I was a young kid. Like, you know, when you shoot the animal, you have to pick a tree that it it, it runs by. I don't care if the tree's a hundred yards away. I need to know what tree this thing runs by, mm-hmm. you know? So I remember shooting deer when I was little and specifically there's this eight point, we call it the, the FU eight point because mm-hmm. long story with walkie talkies and we used to use walkie talkies for our cell phones of like hey what are you seeing kind of thing from the stand and yeah yeah my cousin my cousin and i were walkie talking and i was 16 he was 13 and we were throwing f-bombs on the <laughs> yeah on the walkie talk because we didn't realize our dad was at the cabin our dads were at the cabin listening to our whole conversation <laughs> and we got in a lot of trouble for it that's amazing so, <laughs> we call it the fu buck anyway um i remember this deer runs and he like just hits this tree like I'll I'll I could see it right now he just like like Goldberg coming and spearing someone hits this tree but it was like 150 yards from me and I'm like dad he hit that tree I know he did so we were right there and it like knocked off I don't know 150 yards of the blood trail or whatever but I just threw the timber and I'm like I'll never forget that like pick out a landmark and I still do that to this day Mm -hmm. Uh, you know that's like you said those details we People need to know those details. If you have a dog come out and track or something like that, they need to know, man. Yeah. Like, how this deer react? Was his tail down? Was his butt down? Like, yeah, so many different things. Well, you know, too, like on DeerCast, they have that tool DeerCast track built in, which yeah. I think is like, if you only buy it for that, worth it. <laughs> so, and I talked to Mark about it because I remember I was at the jury office when they were like developing that tool. So I mm-hmm. actually had to see some of the editors go through and like cut some of the shots and organize it through the app, which is really neat. But Mark's like, I kind of invented this as, out of like self, like a selfish reason because I get so many calls that it, it's a genius tool. A hundred percent. I've used it. And honestly, like last year when I shot my Michigan buck and I called you and I hit the deer back, I knew I hit the deer back. It was in the guts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never got shot a deer before then. And when I went on deer cast track, you know, Mark in in that was saying 24 hours, mm-hmm. you know, well, he, I think what he said, I have to go back and look, but he said like 12 to 24 hours. I went in there at 12 and the deer was out of his bed mm-hmm. and I caught up to him at 18 or 19 hours and he was still alive, you know, and he was still alive at 27 hours the next day, you know, so that that's an instance I've never went through before, but now with all those little, that track itself and the 48 hours it took me to find that deer, you know, that taught me a ton, but the deer, the deer cast, the track was like huge. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and just hearing that from, 
I'm not going to lie to you. You listen to a Mark or Terry, you're going to listen. Those guys have done it all, seen it all. I don't care who you are. They can get all the bad whatever about them. I really enjoy those guys. I've actually got to meet them. Mm-hmm. Um, and those guys just have been there, seen it, done it. Oh, and yeah. you need to listen to them. Yeah, I don't think anybody can deny that one. It's like <laughs> they're just yeah. they're, the, they're the they're the goats of whitetails, yep. you know. It, two, For right, sure. I want to ask. All right, this is a, I don't even know if this is a hot take, and maybe you just agree with me. But I've been seeing uh, you always see the debate since we're talking like shot placement and stuff. Um, I think deer and deer hunting did an Instagram video where they had like a biological 3D diagram that you could like pull pieces off of of a deer body, and there's always okay. that thing that says like. There's no there's no such thing as no man's land on a deer. Like the lungs go up to the spine and all that. But they're like, if you look at it and then they pull the scapula away, I'm like, no, no, mm-hmm. no, that that's the no man. You just remove the no man's land. Do you agree with that? Like no man's land is the scapula. Yeah. So I don't even know what no man's land really is. I, mean, I, okay. I, I believe that there is, but. I'm going to tell you why I believe that because I think a lot of people hit the deer high into no man's land, but or is no man's land the backstrap? You know what I mean? Right. Some to me it's not. To me it's a one one lung hit deer, Mm. which like you said, the lungs go all the way up or whatever. They do go really high. Like there's just not a portion of the deer that is this big that there is nothing. Like yeah, you look at it, you're gonna. Well, that's what I call the scapula. I, I agree with you, though. Th- that's a good. That's a good take. Let me see I, if I can I, pull up. I didn't even think about that, to be honest with you. But I will say, I am seeing more one lung hit deer living than not. Yeah, it, and it's like it's weird. I mean, they can live on one lung. Here, let me pull up deer cast track. Yeah. So if you guys don't have deer cast track, I'm going to crudely show you from my phone. So there's this diagram of the deer, and you can move that cursor around anywhere that you think you hit your deer, anywhere. And a, mm-hmm. and a library of videos and tips and recovery tools will pop up that show that. So let's go to, and you can actually do, well, look at this. So I'm going to put it on the scapula, and we'll just see what pops up. Okay. Have you asked Mark and Terry about No Man's Land? What, what's their thought on it? I don't think, you know, I don't know if I've ever asked them directly, but I will next time that I record. I'd like to know from them. So you go through and there's uh, swipe left or right for additional hits. So uh, targeted targeted results, 3D deer tracking tips. So then there's, so they're calling high shoulder, upper chest, and then there's all the different angles that a deer could be for your shot which you can adjust the angles on the deer. You can move it around. Mm-hmm. So let's go. I'm not going to lie to you. I will agree now that I'm thinking like the scapula it is a no man's like behind the scapula, like high, like a high shoulder hit. There really isn't anything back there. Yeah. Well, it's just the, it's the, it's a shield. So let's mm-hmm. go. Let's watch this. Let me just see. I'm going to have the volume down. Actually, you know what? I wonder if I can do this. Actually, plug it right into your board. Yeah, can you hear that? No, a little bit, but I can't really hear what he's saying. Can you hear the sound? A little bit. Okay, let's see. Sounds like it's glitchy. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I thought it'd play in a little cleaner for you, but do you have? It should though. So this is saying, it all depends what you're. And the deer's reaction. If this hit was a half inch back and a half inch low, we wouldn't even be having this discussion. Look at the error. I- can you hear that? I can hear it really good now. Okay, let me go back a little bit. So this so where'd is you put the cursor though? Right yeah. on the scapula. And there's yeah. a bunch of there's a whole library here. I just clicked on the first one. So there you hear the shot. Once again, two things that stand out penetration 
and the deer's reaction. If this hit was a half inch back and a half inch low, we wouldn't even be having this discussion. Look at the arrow I saw as the deer gets out there and stops. You can see the arrow, it's not straight in, it's angled. I would imagine he's got some deflection from the broadhead hitting and turning and going in. You can see the deer stop, he's looking around, he's fully aware of everything that's going on. You don't see any ears drooping or anything, and I, from what I could tell, I didn't see a lot of blood. This definitely looks like it's a little high and a little far forward, not far off of where you would want to be. This deer is going to go and pull the air out or maybe bed. I would back out, leave this deer a little while just from his reaction, and then go from the sign that you see there. Uh, you might find a bed off of this deer, and then there's not anything else afterwards. This is going to be one of them we talked about. You're not going to find, and you put your trail camera out and hope when you find this deer again. And I say that just because of the penetration mm -hmm. and because of the deer's reaction. Mm -hmm. Right off the bat, this one looks like a shoulder shot to me. Scapula. Very limited penetration. You hear the smack. That's you Tracker see the John arrow talking. Hanging way out. Bad news. These don't play out well on a huge buck like that. If our eyes are deceiving us and somehow it went in farther than we're thinking and came back out or something like that, I guess anything's possible. But that's not what I see when I look at this. I see a shoulder shot, almost no penetration. I would say you might as well have a peek at an hour or two. Interesting. It so. is because that that first hit, well, right there, maybe an inch, half inch, inch higher. In 2018, I shot a buck here in Michigan, and I hit that. Mm -hmm. Dude, it was a carbon copy of what you just showed. No penetration. I, I got like six inches of penetration. Mm -hmm. uh, shooting mechanical. Which you're one, you're one long at that point if you get through that. And honestly, I don't even know if I got a long, to be honest with you. Uh, he ran and ran and ran. Ended up living. Um, I had two encounters with him after that. He ended up getting hit by a car December 18th. Um, yeah, it wasn't a good deal. It was a deer I was chasing for three years. What a bummer. And, yeah. And I didn't mean to so, laugh at you, for the record. I just, yeah, just bad luck. I deserve it. I, I rushed the shot, you know, and it was one of those things that just like bang, bang in the last pocket, you know, that I had. And that deer, in my opinion, all the things I've seen, that deer, you're not going to find that deer. That deer's not going to die. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and if you, from that hit, if you go an inch left, inch down is where I hit my deer, my first deer this year, right through the front shoulder, took his heart out and came out the pocket the other side. And I'm shooting a pretty heavy setup now with a single bevel. And um, man, yeah, that, but that shoulder hit, like, I agree with you. Like that, that is kind of the no man's. You, you might've changed me on that. Well, I, every time I see that, when they're just like in that diagram I saw, and I don't even know if that was like a topic of debate, it was like the shoulder or not. It's just like, is there a dead space or not? But when he pulls the scapula away, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're just, that's the conversation right there. You just removed the shoulder. Right. So, yeah. but I think people, people think that that shoulder is low where the leg bone is. Do you know I, what I mean? I agree with you. Yep. That's where they think the shoulder is. There's a leg bone there. Yeah, and that shoulder goes high, like mm -hmm. almost to the top of his back or almost to the, his back straps, really. Yeah. I don't know. I just think there's a – I hate whenever the no man's land topic gets brought up, they ignore the shoulder because they're debating the dead space. Yeah. I will see I, – I will say I have had deer I, – I have hit a deer, quote-unquote, no man's land, high, and it blew right through him, and he lived, showed up on camera a couple days later with a hole through him, but like I said, I think it was either like a one long hit deer and or just didn't hit anything. Mm. You know, I hit an eight pointer in twenty seventeen in the shoulder, and I knew right away it <sighs> he was going to be fine. And then like three miles away, a guy found the sheds. I know the guy, and it was a monster dude, like fourteen inch G twos. Oh, stupid! <laughs> it's like high one sixties as an eight pointer. And oh, dude, you've killed a, a giant eight pointers. Like you're an eight pointing freak. I don't know what it is about. I love eight pointers. I'll keep them coming. You know, whatever's doing that for me. But I don't know. It's just if they just had ten ten points, I'd be killing some really high scoring deer. Oh, you'd have some booners, man. <laughs> yeah, I got my my eight in here that I killed in uh, November, and he's just a stud. But like, it's weird. Yeah. I'll grab. Him, I'll show you. What's funny about this buck is that he's big. Like, he looks big forward, but when he turns, it's like, mm. 
You know what I mean? Like, there he is, forward, which he looks like a good buck, but... Ramey deer, man. Yeah, he's. I mean, I'm pumped, but check out his little unicorn point. Oh, wow, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, I didn't know that was there. I had a bunch of pictures of this buck, but 13-inch twos, so... That's awesome, dude. Yeah, man, pretty pumped with him. Those are big eights, man. Like, let's be honest, like, 100... 30 inch eight is a big eight like oh yeah yeah that's a 150 right there <laughs> i think pe- just... people don't give eight pointers enough credit you know what i mean if you're like Mm-mm. yeah i killed a 130 inch eight pointer i think a lot of people just hear 130 and they're like oh you're measuring three points on an eight pointer yeah like my buck this year my second deer he's got he broke both of his brows off you couldn't even score one the other one had like an inch on him but as like a seven point he scored 132 see that's awesome that's a big buck. yeah so and i've been trying to find somebody that's got pictures of him because he's he's more than likely a four-year-old he was a big deer um but he's low to mid 40s with his brows you know and i just want to know what his brows look like but yeah. as is you know as a seven point he scored like 132 so see, that's awesome yeah. I, I like he's big, a big deer. doug killed a hundred and i don't know 58 inch Eight pointer last yeah, year. When I came to the studio last year, wasn't it? Wasn't yeah. it last year? Yeah, it's it's this buck that I shot with eight more inches on it. <laughs> that was a toad though he killed. It's a giant. And he passed that deer the first time he saw it. It was bird watching. Yeah. But <laughs> I'll take big eight pointers, man. They're the frame on them is just what gets me, you know, about yep. it. But but then the Geyer buck, you know, my dad's big giant buck. It's not a it's a mainframe eight pointer with junk. But his mainframe as an eight is like one. Uh, I had to look it up. It's one seventy four, one seventy six. Mm. Just the frame. That's wild. Stupid. Wild man. It's stupid. I should go pull that thing off the wall and show it on here because I think people don't give that deer credit because we bring that skull to the trade shows. Mm-hmm. And have you seen the skull in person? Yeah, it was here. Yep. I didn't know, yep. it, but when oh uh, no, not the replica. No. Let me not grab when I was it. at the studio. Let me grab it real quick. I don't know if I'll be able to. I should be able to get it. Give me one sec. We're just kind of messing yep. around now. <laughs> yep. Here you go, Aaron. Mm. Yeah. Dude, his beams are, like, so long. So I think when we talk about this buck, people don't realize it, so I'm kind of glad I'm doing this on the, this just the Zoom call. But, I mean, you take this buck. What did he end up scoring in the 80s? 191. 90s? 91. Oh my gosh, dude! You know what I mean. So it's silly. <laughs> like I know the st- I know a lot of the story about the guy buck, but did you did you guys have history with him? So it was before like trail cameras were a big thing. Yep. Um. So I saw him a week before hunting, and then my dad shot him like the day or two before Illinois firearm season. But he's just a yep. hog. He looks he scores- fake. He's in the 70s as an 8-pointer? 70. I had to pull up the score sheet. I think 76. His his beams have got to be 26s, if uh, not more. 27. I think they're both 27. One's almost 28. One's twenty, just over 27. When you get into that 25, 26-inch main beam, you're talking Booner. Yeah. I mean, yep. just depending on – that's what you need to get to a Booner, like one of the big things in my opinion. like. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that much until last year I shot my my 10 from Ohio. He was a clean 10, um, but he had both 26-inch main beams. He scored right on 170, but he also had 8-inch fours. It's a hog. So four, fours and beams, in my opinion, get you there. Agreed. Ma- good mass yeah. is underrated as well. You know, a good, yeah. good mass on a deer gets you a long way, but, you know, I've measured a lot of deer. And I always say, like, a big frame deer, like a truly – like exceptional big frame deer starts at 24 inch beams yeah yeah well think about too like a lot of the deer that i'm trying to get a score on here in michigan like i i automatically put like 18 inch main beams on them because that's you know that's what we're getting around here Mm -hmm. for like a mid-teens to 120 to 125 inch like yeah you're getting about 18 19 inch main beam if you can get 22s around here that's a pretty good buck. You're 30s, yeah. 40s type deer, you know? I think a lot of deer here, I'd say like an average beam on a good buck is like 21 inches. Yep. 
That he, makes sense. You know, 22 inches. I think my buck, I have to check the score sheet. He's 22, 23 beams. So okay. maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not giving him credit. My score sheet on my buck this year because I can't remember. He's my deer, my second deer this year. My first one was the mid one teens. I can't remember what it was like 113 or something like that. He had a seven inch uh, double main beam. And then the second buck, like I said, was low 130s. But his his mass was ridiculous. Like he, the other thing, and I know you and I've talked about this a little bit, and you guys have talked about it, like this year, like my. My uh, G2s on the buck were bladed. Like, they were bigger than, like, my fingers wide. Like, yeah. why can't we just do circumference, too? <laughs> <laughs> All the way up, like a, like a yeah. deer. I, I, yeah. I know. I wish they got credit for it. Um, dude, a, a deer I hunted last year. I hunted my butt off for him. Um, almost got him, but I ended up finding him dead during shed season. Got my salvage tag, all that. Austin and I debated the score on this deer because I have a lot of pictures of him. I have a lot of history with him. So very familiar with what he looks like. Austin and I debated the score on this buck back and forth. I said he was, uh, I said he was pushing one eighties. I said one eighty, maybe a touch over. Austin said one seventy to one seventy, like four one seventy five. And I would have swore. If you would have had, hey, put money on it that he had massive twenty six beams, I oh, get really? him, find him twenty one inch beams, and he scored one seventy five. Holy cow! With twenty one inch beams, that's unreal. Yeah, so I'm like, well, if he would have had his twenty four plus beams like I thought he had, he would have been one eighty. Mm-hmm. You know, that would have been he'd have been one. Oh yeah, just about one eighty. So. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's That's it's wild. it's fun what breaks down like what a big deer is when you see what it takes to make, you know, a one hundred ninety one inch mainframe eight pointer. You know what I mean, or or whatever it is. So, yeah, and you know, my one I killed in Iowa. He went one eighty six. He was thirteen inches inside spread. That's but nuts. He had he had seventeen scoreable, but he also like you said, mass doesn't mass make up about forty percent of your score. That's what I've always. Ooh, I don't know. Um... That's what I always went on. But anyway, his yeah. mass, he had 46 inches of mass. <laughs> Makes a big difference. <laughs> that's ridiculous. And that's just mass alone. I mean, his his bases were over sixes, you know. Yeah. Like six and... Good bases, man. That'll take a deer from a good mass in general. Yeah, it takes a buck from being good to great fast, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. And that's what, like, the Geyer buck's got heavy bases and good mass. And then my buck's yeah. got... I'd say a touch over above average mass. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But you get a lot of them spindly tall tine eights, and I'll take them too, but they just oh, yeah. they don't hit 150. Right. Yeah. It's like I remember a deer that we killed in Illinois in 2013. He comes in the field. We're hunting on the ground. It's muzzleloader season. Hunting on the ground. He comes in this cut cornfield at like 80 yards, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you are giant. Mm-hmm. Like, Looked like a 160 inch eight, 170 inch eight. Shoot him, go up to him, scores 134. Yeah, and it's like he was just wispy. Had 13 inch twos, you know. But his his he was just wispy. He was just not. Yeah. When he walks in there, man, and it's like that's a toad. And he was a good beard, good deer. Like don't get yeah, me wrong. Yeah, man. I know what you're saying. But, but uh, at you the take time, a, I was. Did you take a buck like that and put him in the timber, and he gets past a guy, and the guy mm. sees that buck walking away from him. He goes home and he goes, I saw a 160-inch eight-pointer, just like you said. It's like, yep, big eights will trick you. Yeah. You know? I got tricked. My first year this year, I got tricked a little bit. And I wasn't mad that I shot him at all. But when he was walking in, I saw him. When I when I was going out to the farm, I hunt ag, ag ground. And he <laughs> I was driving down the road. I actually have footage of him through the spotter. I look over, and he's coming out of the timber under the tree where I'm going to go. I'm like, it's like three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, what are you doing? It's October 13th. Yeah. He's coming out eating some beans. So I had to wait him out until he went back in the timber. Then I snuck in there. And anyway, so I, I knew I had a good look through the spotter with him. But then when he showed up at like 30 yards, I'm like, boy, he's bigger than I thought he was. Yeah. And he walks in and I, and I shoot him. He's got decent mass. But then when I walked up to him, I'm like, I was super stoked. But I'm like, ooh, like, <laughs> Little bit of ground shrinkage. Yeah. Little you know, I figured he was probably gonna hit twenty, yeah, maybe twenty five, and he was, you know, like thirteen one thirteen, yeah. which is okay. Yeah, I'm hey. 
dude, it works. That's a top 10% of, that I'm hunting here. So if I can kill a deer in the mid teens or bigger every year, that's what I'm hunting. So. Yeah. That's what you got to do. That's your area. It's, uh, mm-hmm. I, I did you know going back to the, everything getting shot up. A, a few deer did make it that I'm hopeful to see next fall. So we'll just see. There's a lot against yeah. them. But, uh, but dude, this is a fun BS session here on DeerCast. Uh, one of the, it's the first one I think that we've really done, just talk about anything and everything and nothing direct. So, um, I appreciate you taking the time, especially right before the holidays like this or, you know, in podcast land right after the holidays. So, yeah. Yeah, well, man. thanks for having me on, man. I know we're ATA is coming up and I know we're, we're both going to be there. I'll be podcasting there as well. So, yeah. I think you're going to jump on with my show too. So yeah, I'm I'm super excited about that. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Where can people find you? Uh, Anywhere you guys download podcasts, search the fall podcast Um, on YouTube. If you want to watch some YouTube content, the fall podcast on YouTube, Instagram, same thing. I do have a TikTok. shamelessly. I do have a TikTok. So, and I'm putting more reels up there from, uh, from the podcast episodes. So you guys can see that as well. So yeah, anywhere you guys, Facebook as well get all that stuff where you can find me cool well thanks man thanks everyone tuning in listening watching you know what to do stay calculated go shoot a go shoot a giant it's time for me to leave we love you